best, if you're giving your best, if you're giving that 150 every single time, then that's all you can ask of yourself. You're human. Be gentle with yourself. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thanks for joining me again this week, and happy Monday. This is the Working Singer Podcast. So excited that you're here. Um, I've got Shannon Pearson on today. You guys, if you know her, you know that she is just lovely. She's based here in LA. She was actually born here in LA. I know people say that never happens, but that happens a lot. A lot of people who live here are from here. My husband was born here. I grew up in Rialto, which is not too far away. People are born here. My husband's mother was born here. His uncles were born here. We've got a ton of friends. I mean, there are a lot of people from here. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that people do come from other states and countries to chase their dreams and entertainment. It does happen. It happens every day. That is neither here nor there. We've got Shannon here today, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview. We talk about so many fun things. Now, Shannon has been in the background singing game for many years. Um, she has supported the likes of Jeffrey Osborne, Natalie Cole, Katy Perry, Wiz Khalifa, John B. That's just naming a few. On this show, we get into the art of being a background singer, how all money isn't good money, and how to diplomatically walk away from a bad gig, which I know many of us have had to do. There is just a ton of inspiration in this conversation, and I do want to just get right to it. So without further ado... The delightful Shannon Pearson. Welcome, Shannon. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you Thank so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we met last year at um, a Sal gig. I always have them saved in my phone as a Sal gig mm -hmm. <laughs> at the festival. And I just thought you were so much fun and so wonderful. And then I got a chance to, um, you know, check out your bio and and all that. And I was really impressed with the list of people that you had worked with. And I thought you are someone who my listeners would love to hear from. So welcome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I was like, what? Me do a podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let's get right into it. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I am from Los Angeles, California. I was born and raised. Well, I was born in Oakland, but I've lived in LA since I was like maybe one years old. My mom was like, you know, Oakland is always so cold and it was always so rainy. And we took a vacation and I drove down to LA and I gave my two week notice and was like, yeah, I'm never coming back to Oakland ever again. So oh. <laughs> I am a California girl. <laughs> and um, is your family musical? My family 
is not at all. None of my sisters or brothers can sing. My mom doesn't sing. Like there are no oh. musicians in my family, which is so weird. Oh, interesting. Mm-mm. I mean, my mom liked music. She played it, but nobody is a musician or can sing or does anything like that. Hmm. So how did you start singing? How did that uh, come about for you? I probably knew I could sing when I was like maybe five or six because I could listen to people on the radio and I could sound like people on the radio. And I Mm. said, oh, well, if you sound like somebody on the radio, then you should be on the radio. So I think that's going to be my job. So I decided that I was going to be a singer when I was a really small kid. That's interesting. And was your family supportive of of you? Were they nurturing as far as that went? Um, Well, you know, nobody ever thinks singing is a real job. I mean, you know, it's like, when are you going to get a real job? Like, when are you going to grow up and, you know, start working? And I'm like, well, I am working. I mean, they pay me to do this. Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, you know, are you going to continue with school so that you can, you know, be a lawyer or a teacher or a secretary or something? And I was like, well, no, I mean, I mean, no. <laughs> and then my mom was like, yeah, no, she is. She's going to go to school because she has to bring me that degree or else we're not doing anything. She's not a singer. She's a teacher. She's a such as I was like, okay. But then finally, you know, when they started realizing that, oh, um, yeah, can you give me some money? Can you, can you pay this bill for me? Can, oh, my daughter, you know, my baby, she's a singer. You know, my baby, mm-hmm. Shannon, she's a singer. <laughs> Did you see my baby? She's on TV. You know, she's a singer. <laughs> so it changed. Mm. it changed but it took a while for it to change like Mm. um you know I had a band when I was 15 I had a band in high school and um we went to I had a mentor a teacher that was a mentor and Mm. she just took me under her wing and she was like you can really sing I don't know why you're not singing and I was like oh because it's not real it's not a real job and she was like yes it is we're gonna um get you at the Birdland West so I started singing at the Birdland West when I was like 15, 16, they were like, as long as you don't drink, you know, you can come sing and we would make tips. And that's how I paid for prom. And, you know, like I just met musicians and then we've been, we're all professional musicians now. So we've been doing it forever and ever. And now I consider myself a professional singer. Mm. So many years later. So after you graduated from high school, Mm -hmm. did you go to uh, college, university, or what happened? I did. So um, I decided I was going to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Azusa Pacific University, actually. But um, I kept singing. I was still always singing. Even getting into there, I got into their choir. That's how I got in from singing because, I mean, you know, I'm smart and all, but I wasn't a scholar. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, what are you going to major in? liberal arts because I mean, you know, I don't really want to do anything <laughs> after I graduate. I, just, <laughs> I don't really want to work. I, just want to <laughs> I don't want a real job or anything. So <laughs> don't put me in classes that's going to make me really do something like no biology for me. Just <laughs> so, you know, I took art appreciation and music appreciation, you know, stuff you don't really appreciate, but hey, I'm in school. So <laughs> Yeah, but I always sang, so it was cool just for my mom, but I I didn't really appreciate school, like a person who really is dedicated to education and focused, so. Yeah. Hi, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So then once you graduated from school, um, what happens? Did you, were you, did you get to work as a singer in school or were you mainly kind of focusing on school? 
So I was in the choir in school, but then, um, yeah, I decided that I just wanted to do like online work. Like I really wasn't dedicated to school. I started teaching. So Jeffrey Osborne happened to be my very first gig. This lady named Marva King. She, mm. um, she, I was with a friend and we went out to see her show. And my friend said, oh, Marva, you've got to hear my friend sing. Please, please hear my friend sing. And Marva heard me sing. And she says, I have a gig that I think would be perfect for you. And so... Um, I said, okay. And she says, it's Jeffrey Osborne. And I'm going to be taking a leave of absence to go do some other things. She was working with Tyler Perry and doing some other things. Mm -hmm. And so um, she set me up with that. And I met Jeffrey. And he was like, so okay, so does your mama sing? You know, do your family sing? And I was like, no, nobody sings. And he was like, really? Okay, well, I'm gonna give you a try. And so he did. And I sang with him. Um, for 10 years amongst other people but he wow. was like a consistent gig for 10 years and he raised me the band raised me and I learned so much from them and mm. um, in between there I met George Duke and so George was like hey can you sing with me too so Jeffrey and George talked and they were like yeah Shannon's great so I started singing with George I had to be maybe like 24 then and so mm. I started singing I was a singer of the George Duke band and then I met Miss Patty and so then I started singing with Patty LaBelle so I was just like singing with all these different people and I really learned that I love singing with legends like although mm. I've sang with young people and done hip-hop gigs and you know pop gigs and different things I really really love legends and so for me, my focus then started to be, how many legends can I sing with? How many legends can I learn from? Mm. You know, I wanted to be around people that I could learn things from, not just um, singing things, but intangible things that you learn on the road and just mm -hmm. life skills. And they talk to you and teach you so many things. So my goal has always been to do that. So getting mm. to sing with Natalie Cole and, you know, being friends with them and being on the road with them and being at their homes and just seeing how they lived and how they did this for so long and just learning. It just really, really made wow. me appreciative of that. Mm. So would you say that's the difference between working with people who are kind of legacy artists and the newer artists then is like those I mean, kinds yeah, of experiences? I mean, I like them too. I mean, I've sang with Katy Perry. I've done Demi Lovato. I did um, Leona Lewis. I mean, I've done lots of those type of gigs too. And they're fun. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't know. There's just something about me. I just feel I'm an old soul in a lot of ways. And I was raised a lot with my grandparents and with my great grandparents. And I just feel that so much, um, so many things go to the grave with them. And I don't feel like we value our elders and we spend enough time with them to learn things and to just have life lessons. And so for me, that's mm. just something that I love. I've just always gravitated towards older people. And so yeah. I just really love that. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was just saying, um, the other day to somebody that um, uh, it's so important to have friends who are probably like 20 or 30 years older than you are because you're just going to get that wisdom from them that you, you wouldn't get from somebody your own age or younger, it's most true. likely, you know. Mm -hmm. um, man, I had the best conversation. I got the most wisdom the other day from this older, I was going to say really quick, this older lady that, <laughs> that I've known for a little while. I saw her, I don't think anything's random, but I was not planning to see her that day. And I wasn't feeling good. And, you know, I was, I had some things on my mind, just wasn't a good day. And I saw her, she could tell, and I was trying to be evasive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she got it out of me. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> yeah. 
And then she was just like, okay, call me later. So I called her and had just like one of the best conversations. Mm -hmm. She was just like, you know, you can't hang on to resentment. You can't, you know, it's not, you can't, there's no container for that kind of thing. It'll mm -hmm. seep into your other relationships. Mm -hmm you know, um, nobody owes you anything. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> a lot of gems of wisdom. Like I was writing it. I got out my notebook and I was writing down what she was saying to me. I was taking notes and everything. Cause it was like such good stuff. And I, you know, I went back and read it the other day and I was just like, I would not, this is so good. Mm -hmm. And this is stuff that I can use for the rest of my life. And Indeed. I don't think I would have had this conversation with anybody else. It's true. And yeah. I just feel like, you know, they've already been where you're trying to go yes. and they have seen so many things. And I'm the type of person <clears> where <throat> I don't have to bump my head in order to learn the lesson. Like if you mm -hmm. tell me that there is a big pothole there, I don't have to go test it out. I don't have to see it. I don't have to jump in it. I don't have to mm -hmm. twist my ankle. You know what I mean? I'm like, right. okay, I believe you, you know? Yes. So <laughs> I, I really love that. And I'm, yes. you know, I feel like there's a value in our elders and in older people that we just don't realize and don't see. And so I like to take advantage of it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah me yeah. too, girl. I'm not in that club. <laughs> um, so tell me about the toughest gig you've ever had. Oh, and how you so I am normally a very like happy-go-lucky person. I'm always grateful to be on the gigs. I give it 150% because no gig is too small. You know, if I decided to take the gig, then, you know, I am going to give it 100%. And so there was this one particular gig and they weren't older. It was a young gig. It was a pop gig. And it was the most horrible gig. I mean, it almost made me want to stop singing. Like, I was just like, what is going on? Why am I here right now? So um, I had already traveled a lot and done a lot of things already. So I was coming in already experienced. And I think with young gigs a lot, they just want you to be happy to be there. Yeah. And I was happy to be there, but not so happy that, girl, this craziness is going to fly with me. So mm. it was just... Um, I think that the other singer that was there was like um, not used to having a, another person there and another personality there. And it was already their gig for a long time. So mm. it was just very, um, it was just difficult to deal with. Like the, it wasn't the singing, it was the after, it was the other things. It was the being on the road with a person who was just not nice. And that had never happened to me before. I mean, you know, mm. I had been on the road with divas and just, you know, grandiose people. And to be like, girl, this gig ain't even that great. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're safe like I don't I don't want I just want the check we're okay <laughs> like, and it was really horrible and I really it was one of those things where you had to call mentors every single day like am I doing the right thing should should I be a singer and so I just mm -hmm. realized that some gigs aren't for you and that was a lesson that I learned from that that every gig isn't going to be a grand gig every gig isn't going to be one that you're going to love even if the music is cool or whatever there are other factors and as I grew as an artist and as a singer I just realized that every gig isn't for you and you do not have to take abuse so you should bow out gracefully and pack up your things and say thank you but no thank you and that's what I did but it was my first experience with a gig like that just with a mm. situation that way and wow just wow like wow mm. wow <laughs> so I had to learn a lesson from that and the lesson was you every gig isn't yours and all money isn't good money and 
Mm. It's okay to walk away from things. Mm. Definitely a lesson. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true because so, you know, we do get desperate sometimes. Sometimes we're just like desperate for that gig, happy to be on it. And we'll just tolerate pretty much anything, you know, to the detriment of our like well-being and mental health. So very important. I learned mental health is very important. I was like, I changed into a different person. Like it was depressing. And I was mm. like, this isn't who I am. Like, I hate this. This is making me not even like doing what I love. And mm. so I just had to leave from that gig and I was okay. You know, it was okay. It was amicable. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get fired or anything. It wasn't bad, but I was just like, you know, this isn't for me. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with mm. this not being for me. And I had to learn that lesson. And it wasn't even that, it, you know, I had many gigs. <laughs> you know, I just thought, oh, this would be great for the resume. That's another thing, another lesson. Like, sometimes you just want like, oh, I just want to say that I did this gig. And, mm, it. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool for the resume, but ooh, child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's tough when, um, I mean, it's basically your teammate. Is The other singer is your teammate. And um, I think it was Edie Lim and Boddicker who'd, who'd come on and, and she'd said that and that really struck me. You know, she was like, you go in and, you know, A, you're a team. B, if, if something's wrong, you just say it's your, your fault and can mm -hmm. we work on this? And, you know, you never want to make anybody look bad. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if you're the most prepared, then you just help everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've kind of taken that with me. Yes, you definitely take a lot of fault in. Or you say, well, this is a team. So, and, and I feel like there's an art to being a background singer because a lot of, uh, when I have mentored young singers, I tell them, you know, first of all, all those runs and all that stuff, that's not what's going to keep the gig. Like, they just want you to do your parts and just, you know, hold down what you're supposed to. But then there's also an art. Like, sometimes you'll get with singers and you'll say, oh, okay, so I see that they're not going to come down or they're not going to try to blend. So mm. let me try to blend or let me, because mm. ultimately we're a team. And a lot of gigs, if the team doesn't sound right, I'm not trying to figure out who doesn't sound right, who, both of y'all got to go. Everybody got to go. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you don't want that. So you're like, okay, well then let's, let's try to see what's going to make us a unit and make us sound the best together. And that takes you sometimes being the bigger person and saying, listen, okay, so I'm, I'm seeing what's going on. Let me be the person that is the one who acquiesces or, or comes down or backs up or comes up or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. And I think that as, especially singing background, that is something that you need to realize because there's an art to doing it there's an art to blending with other people there's an art to making your voice you know be the one to help out if everyone isn't on that same page you know tell me about um i saw on your resume this sounds this sounds fun to me but it says that you did the first inaugural soul, soul train cruise I what did. was that like <laughs> so i like triple dipped on that so i was singing background with jeffrey osborne i was singing background well not background i was singing with the george duke band mm -hmm. and then they said hey shannon would you like to do your own set on here you know give you two sets and you'll get to do it and i was like yes yes i would so i get on there i call a couple of my musician friends and i'm like yes we're gonna all be in the same room i want you to make live tracks for me so i had these live tracks and i done my gig and i was walking around the ship telling everyone hello i'm gonna be doing a show please come it's <laughs> <laughs> so i did and even the ship doctor he was like i mean you were just so nice to come knock on the door and invite me to your show yeah. yes <laughs> yes i did <laughs> 
everyone came to my show and it was really successful. I was really, really pleased. And a lesson that I learned because I try to learn a lesson from every single thing I do. Mm. The lesson that I learned was, Shannon, you have a captive audience. Never not have a CD. I don't care if you go into your basement and make this CD and sell it on the ship because, <laughs> girl, what were you thinking? But I didn't know it was my first gig, you know, my first one of my mm. own being like that. So I was like, okay, so next time I'll know when I'm doing something, you need to have some type of music that they can take home. Take a piece of me home with you, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was really great. And I was, it, ha it was really fun. And I had a great time. And it was my first time, like, doing not my own show but doing it on a ship and you know having such a captive audience and being able to meet all those people and do all that so it was really fun and I had a great time doing it it's something I'll definitely do again awesome mm -hmm. oh my gosh that sounds like so much fun tell me about um singing on Showtime at the Apollo <laughs> so the Apollo so um I had done a gig with with an artist there so I had met the people there because of course I want to talk to everybody and see who you are and what do you do here and you know so I was walking around and they said hey Shannon we're having a show on the Apollo because it was going to be ending and they were like we want it to be lots of good people on there so why don't you come and sing you know come and do the uh you know where they boo you or whatever <laughs> I forgot what they call it oh yes 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 with the sand, the sand man. man part where they boo you <laughs> <laughs> so I was like Okay, well, are you gonna? Are you sure that I'm not gonna be booed? They were like, "Well, one can never be too sure." But <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Okay." So I came to New York, and you know, you got to uh, <clears throat> sing with the little band or whatever. They're like, so what are you gonna sing? And I was like, um, "Well, what won't people boo? How about some Mary J. Blige?" <laughs> yeah. So I get up there and I rub the the little. Uh, stump i'm like oh my gosh i get to rub the stump yeah. and i come out and i'm like i don't even remember was it real love or something i don't even remember what i was singing mm -hmm. and so at first i was like listen the goal of this is to not get booed like you don't have to win they don't have to clap loud you just don't want them to boo you so <laughs> <laughs> i made it i didn't get booed yes it was close i was like um so hi guys Please don't boo me. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> Please don't boo me. <laughs> and then one lady got up and she started clapping and dancing in the aisle. And I was like, yes, I'm not going to get booed. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the goal of the whole thing, to rub the stump, be on TV, and not get booed. And it all worked out. So Yes. <laughs> I didn't have to win. Just don't get booed. <laughs> exactly. I don't want that Sandman coming and sweeping me off the stage. Listen, don't bring the Sandman and don't boo me. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's <laughs> funny. That's all I So tell me about, um, oh, what was your favorite gig that you've ever done? My favorite gig? Um, for a lot of reasons, I would have to say Natalie Cole. Mm. And I say that because... Man, so I was supposed to be doing this gig with Jennifer Hudson, and then Miss Nat called, and you know my thing about legends. So I was like, "All right, okay, okay, I'm, all right, I'm gonna take this Miss Natalie gig because, mm. you know, she's a legend, and I want to learn from her." So I take the gig, and I love it. She's so funny, and she's like so real. And so I learned from her. She was like, "Listen." Singing is a job, okay? And sometimes you feel like it, 
and sometimes you don't. And these people are going to get whatever you give them because, you know, you can't, singing is a part of you and you can't come out onto the stage like, oh, today I'm going to sing for you. Sometimes your throat just don't feel like that. I was like, you're right, you're right. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just want to come out here and do the parts and be technically perfectly horrible. (laughs) Okay, it is technically perfect. The notes are technically perfect. But girl, it is horrible because there's no spirit in it. There's no soul in it. I'm just trying to get through these 90 minutes so that I can go back to my room. And that was the realest thing I had ever really heard because, you know, they, everybody, you know, you're an entertainer and, you know, a lot of times you don't feel like doing some things. I mean, you're human. Sometimes, you know, you had a horrible day and those people have no idea what just happened behind stage. No idea that your microphone was broken, that you had a wardrobe malfunction, that you have on a dress you hate, that, you know, you just had a fight with the MD because you didn't want to do whatever. And they just came, they just want to see a show and they just want you to do, sing my song, sing the parts I want you to sing. You know, I just want to clap and dance. It's my boyfriend's birthday. You know, they don't care. And so I just feel like a lot of times as entertainers, we feel like we have to put on, like, you know, you're already, I'm already doing a show. I don't have to put on emotionally. You know, I'm this song makes me cry and I'm going to cry tonight because I'm already having a horrible day. So you're going to get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it made me feel okay when there are certain times that you don't you know, really feel like it is a job, like any other thing, you know, sometimes, and it's a part of you. So I I learned that and I like that from her. And she would tell me Mm -hmm. stories and just tell me different things. You know, sometimes we'd be talking about things and she'd be like, oh, I remember that. Or, oh yes, I used to sing that, that high. Mm -hmm. You remind me of me when I was younger, but mm, girl, Mm -hmm. I don't have that energy no more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just funny things that she would say. I really, really liked her. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I just really had a good time with her and I miss her a lot. Mm -hmm. How long was that before she um, passed? When did you work with her? Um, the last four years of her life. So, I mean, the oh, last, okay. so for, for the last four years that she was alive, <laughs> I mean, we actually had a gig the day that she passed. We were going to be doing a gig at the Disney Hall and she just wasn't feeling well and she just couldn't snap out of it. So, yeah, I definitely got a lot from her, especially in the end because, you know, she was really, really reflective. You know, it was a really reflective time and she really talked about a lot of things and just, she was just really nice and really sweet. And I really miss her. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was, um, I was surprised and, and very sad when she passed and Mm -hmm. really surprised that, you know, her son's passing too. Yes. Oh, Robbie. Like he was... Oh yeah, like definitely knew he was my Uno partner, and we would have so much fun together. I mean, I sang at Miss Nat's mother's funeral, mm-hmm. and then of course, um, you know, was at her funeral doing the some parts, doing some things there, and I even sang at his funeral as well. Like mm-hmm. he was a really, really nice guy, just so compassionate, so sweet. He was so smart. He was mm-hmm. really, really cool. So I miss the. It's just a tragedy for the whole family. I miss them all really, really much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robbie yeah. was really nice. Yeah. yeah, really funny. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'd got to, I'd actually gotten to meet him at a, um, a Natalie Cole tribute. Um, my friend Sandra Booker was putting one on, and he came and played percussion on it um, down at the Blue Whale. So, yes, um, yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was really cool. Yeah, and a lot of a few of us had gotten into jazz because you know because of her because she had put out that jazz record back in the 90s mm-hmm. I think I was in high school mm-hmm. and, um, 
And that's really how I, you know, my parents did listen to Nat King Cole when I was a little, little kid. But of course, you know, I was listening to that. I was listening to like Paul Abdul and yeah. on the Block and <laughs> Janet Jackson. And <laughs> I was like, thanks for that. But it's like listening to Mozart. I'm good. <laughs> Pass. Um, <laughs> you know, so when she put that record out, and those are some of the first jazz songs I learned was mm-hmm. uh, like those arrangements. I started singing jazz in college and they did um her arrangements of um some of those songs from her record i'm trying to mm-hmm. think of what i i think i did the very thought of you ah. I, did, I did her big band arrangement of that so yeah yeah she's definitely um i definitely have a special place for her indeed as well mm-hmm. yeah. her arrangements are great the arrangements are wonderful oh. i'm like yes oh how Lord. pretty yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just to true pro definitely well you know you've seen a lot and you work with a lot of people and you've got a lot of wisdom Mm -hmm. what do you think um all of those people have in common all those legacy artists Mm -hmm. why do you think they are where they are i think definitely persistence and confidence and -hmm. that's one thing that i definitely learned like one thing that jeffrey told me um he said you know you don't have to be scared of them. Like they're here to see you and they can't do what you're doing. That's why they're here, you know? Mm. And so I think that because um, confidence was a, a, something that I struggled okay. with a lot when I was younger. Like I was just very shy and just, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I always thought, oh, I want to be a dancer because when the parties get started, nobody's like, hey, come sing for us. They're all like, hey, let's dance. So I just thought that like, being a dancer and because like I didn't grow up in church like Baptist or you know like the singers so I don't sing like um, most singers would you know I know how to run and all that I know how to do that but it's not my go-to it's not the first thing that I do I don't sound like a church lady and I think when I was growing up like I told my mother she culturally deprived us because like I didn't grow up like that so Mm -hmm. when I got into gospel choir when I was 16 it was my first experience like with gospel and like mm. singing those type of things, which is where my mentor came in because um, Lori Grace, she like just taught me so many things. So I came home and I told my mom, you've culturally deprived me and I don't know any of the gospel songs and I don't sing like any of the other black kids and you know, this is just not fair. <laughs> I was like, this is not fair. And I, you know, I don't sound like them. And you know, I always wanted a different type of voice. I like, I wanted to be a big church lady voice. I wanted to be able to like be a big belter and be like, oh, you know, doing all this singing. and. I don't sound like that. <laughs> so for me, I was thinking like, I'm not really the greatest of singers because I don't sound like, you know, a Kimberell or a, what is that lady? The Karen Clark or, you know, I don't sound mm. like those people. And my mom was like, yeah, well, God gave you what he wanted you to have. And, you know, everybody doesn't like that. And I don't like that. So <laughs> I'm mm. glad you don't sing like that. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I guess, you know, everybody has a different sound and a different voice or whatever. So I just think that being with those legends, it taught me to be who you are. Like Diana Ross didn't sound like Natalie, who didn't sound like Patty, who didn't sound like Jeffrey, who didn't sound like Teddy. You know, everybody was unique and they had their own style and their own sound and no one tried to sound like the other. And I think that's what I learned from them, like to be confident in who you are and what your sound is and you don't have to sound like anybody else and as a matter of fact you shouldn't because that's what sets them apart like you definitely know their voices and their sound and their style from anyone else and now I just feel like it's an add water and stir like you can just 
put anybody there. Oh, was that such and such? Oh, I thought it was so-and-so. Yeah, because everybody sounds the same. They all sound alike. Everybody does the same runs. Everybody does the same phrasing. And so I just learned from legacy artists that I want to be myself and to sound like myself. And what I bring is valuable because I'm me and no one else is me. And that's what makes you unique and great. Mm, I love that. I love that. I think there's, yeah, just a great deal of self-acceptance mm-hmm. too. And, and not a lot. I was listening to a podcast the other day with John Henney. He has a, he's a voice coach. Have you heard of him? He's yes, a voice coach. You did, a, did you did a, did you do a, I think a podcast with him or something or I something? didn't. I or might've talked about him. him. You, might, you mentioned him in, in one of them because I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. I had never yeah. heard of him before you, but I hear about a lot of people because of your podcast. Let me be real. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Good. Like, who? Oh, let me look her up. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. That's why I'm so excited to be on it because I'm like, girl, really? Me? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, these are the people who like, he talked about like people like this, like they did not, they just don't allow themselves to be intimidated. They accept themselves and they get up and they do their thing. Um, and they might even feel that intimidation from time to time, but it doesn't win, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's really a big thing that, you know, sets them apart, especially when I think of, you know, uh, maybe when I've allowed myself to be intimidated or I look at, you know, I have conversations with friends and we're, they're going through something and it's just like, no, you're self through and accept yourself. And, you know, yeah, so. it's true. And it's easy to say, you know, but we do a lot of comparisons, even with social media, like you just do a lot of comparisons, like, oh, wow, I don't, oh, wow, this is, wow, she sounds so amazing. Wow. Am I breathing right? Oh, am I, wow, should I, oh, I don't know if I should be, you know, it makes you kind of crazy sometimes. And I just think that, you know, I'm like, this person has been doing this for 35 years, like, or 50 years longer than I've been alive. And, you know, they are still doing it and they're still confident and they go out every day and, you know, every night isn't the same and they forgive themselves and they move on. And, you know, it's just something that I've learned to tuck into my arsenal, like Shannon, just let it go. You know, every day Mm. is not going to be the day that you were on perfect 10, you know, or sometimes you have a cold or you have to push through anyway and make it happen. And you were at your best. If you're giving your best, if you're giving that 150 every single time, mm. then that's all you can ask of yourself. You're human. Be gentle with yourself in that area, you know? Mm. So true. Yeah, we have to be nicer to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it is a tough business. But I think life is a challenge. <laughs> yes, anyway, but life is a fun. challenge. <laughs> but I'm like, being a musician, honey, <laughs> that's a challenge too. Like, I'm like, you don't choose this. I can honestly say you do not choose this life. Uh, nobody mm-hmm. would. I mean, you know, it's like, girl, why would you choose this struggle? <laughs> yeah. why, would, why would you not choose something where you just get up and, I don't know, go to work every day or whatever? But I couldn't do it. Like, I would not be able to just... I mean, I've never really had a job. I I think I worked at the Disney store maybe when I was like 17 or 18 or something, but it's all I've really done because I think I would probably be depressed and crumble and kind of die on the inside a little bit if I had to get up and do stuff that I just hated. Like, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, it chose me, but the, because it chose me, the drive that I have and the get up and go that you have to be like, oh, girl, you got a car note. Girl, you got that rent. <laughs> get up. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, girl? You better start singing, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I just think that 
it is a challenge, but I wouldn't choose, I wouldn't choose anything else. Yeah. So that's how I know that I'm doing the right thing because as challenging as it can be sometimes and as, you know, sad as you can get sometimes like, why am I, why, why didn't I get, why, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not working as much as I want to? Like whatever the challenge is at that time, pushing through it just makes me go, well, I mean, do you want to go down to McDonald's? No. <laughs> do you mm. want to, do you want to go to the mall and try to see if you, no, I do not. So, you know, you hustle a little harder, I guess. Mm. Challenging, but fun. What would you say to that um, person, maybe that singer who's, because I've come across so many who, um, who've been discouraged and they don't know if they want to keep singing? Well, I mean, firstly, I just know that discouragement. I really do. I mean, there are times when it's good, you know, it's like anything, there's an ebb and flow. And I had to learn that over the years that, you know, there's an ebb and flow to things. You have to learn to budget. You have to learn to save. I mean, you know, I had become really, really good at saving and really, really good, like a teacher would. You know, sometimes in the middle of the summer, you don't work or if you don't happen to pick up those sub gigs or those sub jobs and you're really figure, trying to figure it out. I mean, do you say, I never want to teach again? No, you just kind of like supplement and do other things. And I feel like too, using and utilizing your other skills that you have as a singer, you know, your experiences, whether it's teaching someone else or whether it's, you know, putting that, that skill into maybe your journal or your YouTube or trying to do something else like you did doing podcasts and talking about it. I mean, just trying to keep yourself in the loop of happiness, of not getting so mm-hmm. discouraged that you quit. And then I'll also say sometimes, you know, it's good to take a break. I mean, I took a break and realized, oh yeah, nothing else is going to make me happy. You know, I took a break and I, well, I took a break and traveled for a while. I was just like, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm just tired of it. And I wanted to do something else. So I took a transatlantic cruise. I went to Spain. I took a two week cruise to Brazil. And Mm -hmm. so I was on the water for two weeks, just reflecting and just trying to figure it out and, Mm. you know, giving yourself some time to reflect and to think, is this what you really want? And then maybe you might have to go get a job somewhere. I mean, because I I believe that there's nothing wrong with paying your bills. However, you have to do it. I don't believe that you should be a starving artist. I'm never going to starve. You know, if singing isn't working, if your acting isn't working out, if, you know, your artistry isn't working out at this time, then maybe you need to take a break to see if it is something that you want to still do. I mean, you can Mm. still do it on the side, you know, you can still sing and do whatever. But if you're um, like about to be homeless or if you're about to lose everything <laughs> because you're trying to prove that your art is working mm, I would say pause on it you know like right. don't be homeless <laughs> <laughs> don't be starving right don't be on somebody else's couch for two years like don't do that you know <laughs> go on down to that McDonald's <laughs> you know? yes get a job. <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. It is okay. Yeah. I think that there's a stigma that if you are doing an art or being an artist or something that, you know, if things get slow or it's not working out, please go do something that's going to feed you. I raised a whole kid. Like, you know, I have a whole son. So I could never <laughs> be like, oh, you know, this singing thing isn't happening, but hey, we'll just sit here for a minute. You know, just hopefully somebody calls me. No, 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 no. Don't do that. So I I don't know. I would tell you, don't be discouraged. Don't be so hard on yourself. But if you need to do other things while you're making that dream happen, do it. You know, 
I would. I would not be so embarrassed if my friend, like, oh my God, my friend is walking into this diner. Hi, how can I serve you? Let me find you a better table. Leave me a good tip because you see what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? Mm. You see what I'm doing here. So mm. I don't know. I would just say to really think and reflect. But if you really need to do something else and, you know, this isn't working right now, not to say forever hang it up, but, you know, maybe try something else. Mm. I would say try all avenues. Oh, don't, don't let it take you out. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a good question is like, what is this trying to teach me right now? You know, the lesson. Every- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. has a lesson. So you might need to dig a little deeper when those things arise. And I know somebody, you know, I interviewed um, a singer, she's a singer, rapper, songwriter named Tamara Bubble, who, um, you know, she's one of my favorite interviews. Actually, I need to follow up with her because she's just done amazing things but she is a cpa and she's been doing that for years and um there was one point where she was doing the starving artist thing it was like for a week (laughs) she like left her job she's like panhandling and like singing selling her cd she's like i'll just sell my cds you know she's like in brooklyn she's you know and like um and then she's like this homeless man came out to me and I was just like, and he was like trying to like push up, like, like we're in the same, <laughs> we're in the same Terrible boat. Like, we're, not in the, we're not in the same boat here. He's like, okay, I could have a really good job right now and still be doing music and mm-hmm. whatever. So that's what she, she did. And she eventually found this music licensing course. And, you know, she's like really made herself a um, sort of a cottage industry of like, she does it. She like recorded a song a week. She found some producers to, to work with. Um, you know, we took this course together. Of course, she like took off with it and mm-hmm. um, she performs still. She still got a CPA job, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is like looking at that job as an investor into what it mm-hmm. is, you know, you would like to do. If that's what you're doing, we have to, and that's where we are at the moment, mm-hmm. you know, we have to find a positive way to look at it. Otherwise, you're, you may, you'll be stuck. Yes. You know? Yes. If you are not, are not finding a healthy way to look Mm -hmm. at it. But you know, in any case, like she's somebody who's like really impressed me. Um, who's been able to do that has not, you know, I've never heard her complain about her work. She's just really like, you know, grinding out songs, getting them licensed, Mm -hmm. you know, making some dough. Yeah. That's a nice mailbox check. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And she's also started her own licensing company. She's like, you know, so she's like, really, it's like three years, like just in just three years from taking the class and starting to like do her own, write her own songs. And, you know, she's got these like really wonderful videos. They're like really Mm. colorful and fun. She's like a Lizzo type. And um, just everything's like really fun and hilarious and whatever. But um, just really, you know, one of those stories that really inspires me. And when people say, oh, music licensing doesn't work or a day job, blah, 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 blah. Or all this, I was just like, there's somebody who's doing all of those. All of it. And that's the thing too. Like, you know, there's so many things that you can do in the music business. And a lot of people just feel like, oh, if you're not in the front or if you're not doing background or if you're not playing, that it's it's a done deal for you. And sometimes you do need to find other things. Like I'm still in the business, but I just don't want to be in front or I'm just, because there is, a big difference, even singing background or moving to the front, they're completely different. And it takes so much different skill. And sometimes you realize, like I have friends that say, oh, I never want to be an artist. I never want to be in the front. I just like to be in the back in the black and the dark and just sing my little parts 
and that's fine. And then there are some people who have ambitions to be in the front and it is a completely different thing. And I feel like all of them have their place, but you can do so many other things and not starve and still, you know, be in the business, still, you know, enjoy the perks of doing things, going out, doing the parties, doing whatever, and not be starving and not be hard on yourself for not wanting to be Beyonce. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be Beyonce. That's just not where I want to be in my career. I just wouldn't want to do that. You know, some people have that ambition. It's not mine. And that's how I feel like everybody can have a chance to do what they want if you figure out what your niche is. Because, you know, everybody is not going to be Beyonce, even if that's their secret private goal. Ma'am, everybody's (laughs) not going to do it. (laughs) Really, you know? (laughs) And there's only one Beyonce anyway, you know what I'm saying? But just to be, to try to do that, I mean, it just takes so much and it's just, it's it's more than a notion, you know? It's more Mm. than a notion. I wouldn't even want to work that hard, ma'am. I just want to have lunch with my mother and be able to pay for it, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, really, though? I mean, it's just so that's like, you know, it just fits in with what you're saying about, you know, accepting who you are, knowing Mm -hmm. who you are, what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just aligning with all of that. Mm -hmm. So is there any other um, advice that you would want to give to anybody who wants to, I don't know, have the career that you've had? Um, Advice? Like, you know, honestly, fell into it. (laughs) But if I would give advice, I would say like, just be around people who are doing it. Like, you know, yeah. when I, when people say, well, what, what would you do? I would say like, find open mic nights and don't expect to get paid. Like, I mean, I think a lot of times people now I expect to get paid because I've been doing it so long, but if I was to first come into it, I wouldn't expect people to be like, yeah, pay me $50 million to come sing at your party. Well, how many parties have you sang at, ma'am? I mean, you know, you might want to start off slow and just sing at this party. (laughs) Why don't you just try it? You know, I would say, I mean, I know as musicians, we always be like, oh, these weekend warriors, they ruin it for us because they come in and want to do everything for free. And, you know, we're actual, you know, people, professionals. And I'm like, well, yeah, but there's a difference. I mean, yes, she's coming in and she just wants to try it. I mean, of course, they're going to let you try it. If you want to just go try it and you've been doing it for 50 years, well, there's a difference if you've been doing it for so long and then if you're just coming in. So I would say, you know, find open mics, find different musicians or start your own. Like say, hey, I just want to get together with a few people and let's just jam and let's just see what happens. Because honestly, I don't really see people doing that anymore. There used Mm. to be a time where people would just get together in their garages and do jam sessions and just hang out and, you know, do it because they wanted to. And I don't really see a lot of that. I feel like people just want to jump in and start where I am. And I'm like, girl, you know, there's levels to it. There's ranks and there's levels. And, you know, so get to know the people who are doing it and see what you can, how you can help and how you can get in before you start saying you're a professional. Mm any professional experience. I, I don't think that they would put me on burgers when I first went to McDonald's if I've never worked retail before. <laughs> I can't expect to be the manager and I've never mopped the floor here or did the fries, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So I guess it would be the same concept. Mm. If that yeah. sounds wordy and windy, like put me together, Jamila, don't leave me out here 
just rambling. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. And the McDonald's reference is true because you can't manage it without having mopped the floors first. You have to do every job there before you get to manage it. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I can't expect to be like, yeah, I want the $50 an hour and I want to be the manager. Have you yeah. ever worked at a McDonald's? Never. <laughs> Just came here and bought fries. Hey, yeah, unless you're born on third base. And I guess that's another story, but most of us aren't. So <laughs> exactly. And I wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, this has been really great. Really nice to talk to you and hear thank your story. You. And thank you for being so generous with your time and your energy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I You're welcome. It. Oh my gosh, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Wasn't she just so much fun? Just a ball of energy. Love her. Um, so let's get into the singing lessons. Number one, some gigs aren't for you. Every gig isn't going to be a grand gig. Every gig isn't going to be one that you're going to love. Even if the music is cool, there are other factors. Number two, all money isn't good money. It's okay to walk away from things. Number three, there's an art to being a background singer. Mm -hmm. Number four, if you need to do other things while you're making that dream happen, do it. All right, you guys. So again, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you were inspired by it. I definitely was. And like always, you know, it gives me a lot to think about. Um, you know, namely just that um, thing of intimidation. I think I brought up in the, the last episode. Um, I had been listening to John Henney's podcast. Who has an, um, He's a vocal coach. Um, what is it called? The Intelligent Vocalist, I believe it's called. He talked about intimidation and knowing what you want and not allowing yourself as an artist to be intimidated by anybody anyone who you fear may challenge you or anyone who actually in in actual life challenges you knowing just what you want and going for it it's funny because I had a gig last night during the break during one of the breaks um, me and two other singers were talking about you know the death of Kobe Bryant all of the stuff around it um all the things in the news, but you know, one of the things that, um, that I thought was interesting that a lot of people have led with when they talk about his passing is, you know, they're not even basketball fans. They don't know the first thing about basketball. They didn't really follow it, but they knew him and how hard he was trying in life, not only trying, but doing just somebody who did things and helped a lot of people and was pretty, quiet about a lot of it and just did things, you know, was striving to be better. And I th I've thought about that a lot, you know, since uh, he passed and also just about how nothing is promised to us. You know, that was something that we talked about last night. Nothing's promised. Any of us could go at any time. And it's hard to, you can't prepare for something like that. So there's really no time to waste, you know, I think we've got to be, of course, real with ourselves, always checking in, but really, I think in allowing ourselves to be intimidated, intimidation is just a waste of time, you know, and however we need to get there to kind of change ourselves, transform our minds, I think they call it uh, the Mamba mentality, you have to do it, we don't, you don't know how much time you have, and, you know, we've all got a contribution to make everyone in their own way in their own within their own sphere of influence we just do not have time to waste and we can't you know be bogged down and held back by 
our fear of what other might other people might think about what it is we want to do. You know, for myself, I've had to do a lot of work on my own subconscious, what I'm really thinking about myself as I'm attempting to do something that for me is a, you know, is great. That for me is a contribution to the world, or at least my little sphere, my little place in it. You know, I have to constantly be checking in that I'm not, if I'm not going to do something, it's not because I'm, you know, just too scared to try or, you know, that I'm just not self-sabotaging, that I am, you know, being honest with myself at all times. But in any case, you know, I think that's something to check in with just to make sure that we are not sabotaging ourselves and that we're just not wasting any time, that you're making the contribution that you want to make, you're making any of the things that you want to make, you're trying all of the things that you want to try and you're helping whoever you would like to help. There's just no time to waste in life, you know what I mean? So, but those have kind of been my thoughts, you know, um, every day and as I've been trying to develop healthier habits and, you know, wake up and, and do yoga every day and write in my journal and read a little bit of my book and, uh, you know, a friend of mine gave me an abundance exercise, uh, an abundance meditation. So I'd been doing that and it's made a huge difference. I've been doing it every day for over a month, which for me is really great. <laughs> I'd also been reading that book, Atomic Habits. I don't know if I'd brought it up in any other episodes, but it's a book by James Clear. And he talks about, you know, making, building, how to, how to build strong habits in your life by doing little things in little increments. You know, he was an athlete who had lost his ability to play baseball. I think he eventually was able to come back, but it was a a long, slow, painful process for him. But he found as he did things, made sure he made his bed every day. Um, brushing his teeth, going for a walk, uh, continuing to train, you know, take care of his body, just building in small things into his life. And he talks about, you know, how do you can, how you can phase stuff in? Um, because sometimes we try to take on much more than we can handle at one time. Um, but, you know, he was able to, I believe he was able to eventually get back to what he wanted to do. But, in any case, um, you know, he now coaches people on creating habits in their lives. Um, so, and, and all that, all that to say that that is something that has helped me because I've just also thought, you know, well, if not now, when, when am I going to wait to exercise every day? Um, when it's really difficult, when I'm, you know, in my seventies or my eighties, you know, this would be the time to start building in all of those habits of like self-love and self-care and really taking care of myself. And I have to tell myself these things in a nice way because I get very frustrated. (laughs) I'm yelling at myself and that doesn't really work either. But, you know, if that encourages you, and I know a lot of you are seekers and you're always striving to be better. And I thought that was just a really great book um, about building in habits because I know that can be tough, especially when you've got a lot of things pulling you in, in many different directions. Hopefully that can be something that you check out and it's a great resource for you. It really did help me. It has been helping me. So let's get into some housekeeping. Visit the workingsingerpodcast.com to get show notes for the show. That will include any links to Shannon's websites and social media 
and the singing lessons for the show. And I've also put to get, started putting together, I've also started putting together a singer resource page, a singer resource page. Sorry, I'm trying to get all of my consonants out of my mouth. <laughs> um that you might find useful. I'm always looking for things to add to it. So if you have anything that you think would be useful to other singers, please, by all means, email me at hi at theworkingsingerpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. I always love to hear from you. And you can also email me there if you have a suggestion for a guest. Many of you have suggested a lot of great guests who I've interviewed and I always love to hear from you about that. I want to know who you want to hear from. So email me there. We have a Facebook group, the Working Singer Podcast Community. So go to Facebook and type that into your search and ask to join after you've answered the questions. And I will let you in. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. It's free, especially if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. It's very meaningful if you subscribe there and you leave a comment. That would be stellar. All right, guys, have a great rest of the week. It was really wonderful to check in with you. I hope that you had a great weekend. And I will talk to you again soon. 